Well, good morning, everyone. I also want to welcome you to worship here at Calvary. We are so, so glad that you are here either in person or you're watching online. And something we believe is that it is no accident that you are here today because we believe God led you here for a reason. And we've been praying for you all Week And so we're excited about what God is doing in and amongst us as we celebrate Easter together. So there was a father and a young son who were out running errands one Saturday morning. And they got all of their errands done and they were heading home and they drove past a very large cemetery. The little boy was sitting in the back seat and he looked out the window and he saw this huge pile of dirt next to a freshly dug grave. And he lit up and he yelled out. He said, Dad, look, one got out. (laughs) Well, of course, we know that's not true, right? Because dead is dead. No one comes back after they die except for Jesus. Jesus was truly raised from the dead. It's not a myth. It's not a legend. It's not a bedtime story that we tell. You see, the whole city of Jerusalem quickly heard about what had happened, and the news spread to the entire Roman Empire in just weeks. You know, if CNN or Fox News had been around, they would have scrambled all of their news trucks to go cover this event in person. It was so amazing. There are 15 different historical accounts about how Jesus met people after he died, how he talked with them, how he touched them, how he did life with them. Then in the Gospels, there's this image. It's one of my favorites in the Bible. It's the risen Jesus sitting on the beach with his disciples having breakfast together. Just a glorious picture. I mean, imagine a sunrise on the lake and they're having pancakes and bacon together. They saw him die, and now he is alive. Well, a little bit later in Scripture, we're told that he appeared to over 500 different people. And Paul very purposefully points this out, and we might say, well, it's just a nice bit of trivia. I mean, does it really matter that much? But for the first century audience that was reading this account, Paul is telling them, if you don't believe this, go find one of them. They live all around you. Go knock on their door. Ask them what it was like to meet someone who was dead, but who is now alive. But I think the most convincing eyewitness to Jesus's death and resurrection is a guy named James. Now, James wrote a book of the New Testament, but James was also the younger brother of Jesus. Now, just imagine being Jesus' younger brother. I mean, growing up together, they played ball together, they went to school together. And we're told that when Jesus started his ministry, James and the other siblings of Jesus were not on board at all. They're like, Jesus, you are so embarrassing to us. Why don't you just come home and cut all this out? But then later on, after Jesus was crucified, and then after he was raised again, James became a believer. James believed Jesus was the Son of God, that he was his Lord and Savior, and that he had died and rose again. And so let me ask you, 
what would your brother have to do to convince you that he was the son of God and that he died and rose again? You see, we're gathered here this morning because Jesus truly died and he truly rose again. And so what I want to explore with you for the time that we have together is why the resurrection matters and why the resurrection means so much to us today. And I want to give you three reasons for each of those things. So starting out, number one, the resurrection means Jesus is who he claimed to be. Now, as you probably know, Jesus made some pretty outrageous claims. He said things like, I am God. He said, I can forgive people of their sins. He said, I'm the way to heaven. Now, there are a lot of people in our world today who are content to say Jesus was a great teacher. He had a lot of good things to say. I can put it on Facebook and share it with others. But here's the thing. If he was just a great teacher, he would have never been able to claim any of those things. You know, I get up here pretty often and I preach and I teach and you might say, hopefully, like I'm adequate at it. But if I got up here and I said, I'm God, if I said, I can forgive your sins, you'd probably be running for the doors, right? Or you'd call someone to try to have me committed. You see, those are things that not just a great teacher would say. And it's Jesus' resurrection that proves he is who he says he is. It backs up his claims. Now in John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. And what we need to notice there is he doesn't say, I am a way. He doesn't say all roads lead to heaven. No, he says, I am the way. You know, to say all of these different ways lead to heaven, well, it would be kind of like saying, well, it doesn't matter what route you take to get back to your house. Like, just choose a road. You'll get there eventually. doesn't work, right? It's the resurrection that proves Jesus' claims. Number two, the resurrection means Jesus has the power that he claimed to have. In Matthew 28, he says, all power in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And he had power so that nothing could keep him in the tomb. Now, there was a Roman governor named Pilate. He was very concerned with what was going to happen after Jesus died. He didn't want any shenanigans to take place, so he said, put the biggest stone in front of the tomb, and not only that, make sure you seal the stone into place. And not only that, put the very best soldiers to watch the tomb 24-7 to make sure nothing happens. But even with all of those precautions, Jesus rose again, and the tomb was empty. You see, Jesus has power like nothing in this world, and it's the resurrection that demonstrates Jesus' power. Number three, the resurrection means Jesus does what he promises to do. There were a bunch of women who got up early on Sunday morning, and they went to go to Jesus' tomb to prepare his body. It's a tradition in the Jewish culture. Well, in Matthew 28, verse 6, it's, the angel is there and says, don't be afraid. 
when they see that the tomb is empty. Don't be afraid. I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. And look at this. Just as he said would happen, come see where his body was lying. You see, Jesus did precisely what he promised to do. In the Gospel of Mark, which is the earliest gospel, three different times he predicts his resurrection. You know, even if you're not ready to put your trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, Jesus is the only person in all of history to ever predict his death and his resurrection and pull it off. So I don't know about you, but I'm going to go with what he says. Jesus keeps his promises. See, because Jesus rose from the dead, he is who he said he is. He has the power to do what he said he would do. And he keeps every promise that he made. But the question then is, well, what does this matter to us personally? What is an event that took place 2,000 years ago? How is that supposed to impact our life today? Does the resurrection really still matter for each one of us? Number one, the resurrection matters because it means your past can be forgiven. Now, have you ever started a project before and wished you could start over when you're about halfway in? A few years ago, we bought a ping pong table for our kids for Christmas, and I did some research. I was reading the reviews, and I found out that it was supposed to take about four hours to put this ping pong table together. So right away, I knew it was going to take me like six or eight hours. So I made sure I had enough time, and I got all these heavy pieces down to our basement, and I started to put each section together. I got about four hours in and suddenly realized I had done everything backwards, And it was in that moment that I really, really wished I could just start over. Now, I think in much the same way, oftentimes we go through life and maybe we get halfway in. And we wish we could start over. Because we accumulate regrets and guilt and shame and burdens along the way. But there's good news for us. In the book of Colossians, it's a letter that Paul wrote. He says, Jesus has forgiven all of our sins and he has canceled every debt that we owe and he did this by nailing them to the cross. That means he's paid the price for all of your sins and for mine. It means we don't have to pay for it. It means he picked up the tab for us and he wants you and he wants me to experience his freedom his new life. He wants us to leave those things behind when we leave here today. Now, does anyone here recognize this? Do you remember these, an Etch-A-Sketch? I tell my kids this was like the iPad when I was a kid. (laughs) Do you remember how this works? I'm not very good at it, but you can turn these knobs, you can draw, you can try to write messages. Like some people are amazing. I'm not real good at this, but you can You can draw some things, and then when you get tired of it or you make a mistake, do you remember what you do? You just shake it, right? And it wipes it clean. Well, did you know that there is an Etch-A-Sketch verse in the Bible? God's Etch-A-Sketch verse for you and for me. And it's this. There is no condemnation for those 
who are in Christ Jesus. It's an amazing promise. No matter what you've done, no matter what your story is, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It means he's shaken the etch-a-sketch and everything is washed away because of Jesus' death and resurrection. See, what that means is you can walk out of here today freer than ever before. You can walk out of here today lighter than ever before. You can walk out of here today knowing that every one of your sins has been forgiven. Now, even if there was nothing, no such thing as heaven or hell, I think this is a good enough reason to become a Christian, to know that we can have that freedom, to know that everything we've done wrong can be washed away. Your past and my past can be forgiven. Number two, the resurrection matters because your present problems can be overcome. Every one of us knows life can be difficult. There are times when we are overwhelmed by all of the troubles and the pain and the struggles that life throws at us. When we struggle in life with things like addictions or relationship problems or debt or just incredible busyness, when we start to feel powerless or helpless or hopeless, we have access to a power greater than anything in this world. Paul writes in Ephesians 1, I pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for all of us who believe in him. Now notice this next verse. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. The same power that resurrected Jesus 2,000 years ago is accessible to us today. Now maybe some of you barely got here today. Maybe some of you are wondering why in the world you're even here today. Maybe it's been one of those weeks, one of those months, or probably for a lot of us, we'd say this has just been a crazy year that we've had to go through. Maybe you feel numb. Maybe you don't know where to turn. God's message to you today is let me help. Don't go it alone. There is no problem that is too big for God's power. There's no situation that's hopeless if you hand it over to him. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Notice it doesn't say I can do everything through the power of positive thinking. It doesn't say I can do everything by sucking it up and just trying harder. It doesn't say I can do everything by reading the newest self-help book. No, it says I can do everything through the power of the risen Christ who lives in me. Third and finally, the resurrection matters because your future can be secure. One thing that every single person on earth has in common is that we are all going to die one day. It's just the truth, right? We all know this, and we need to be prepared. But I think we can get so caught up with all the details of life that sometimes we just don't even stop and think about it. Add on to that, Talking about death is not usually a favorite conversation, right? If you don't believe me, at Easter dinner to say, today, say, hey, everyone, let's talk about death and see how it goes. But we need to be sure 
about our eternal destiny. We need to be sure about what happens after death. We're going to spend a whole lot more time on that side of eternity than this side of eternity. Well, the Bible tells us that heaven is a perfect place. There's no more tears. There's no more pain. There's no more death. It's perfect in every way. But the Bible also tells us in order to go there, we have to be perfect. To which you're probably thinking, well, great. Well, that disqualifies you, and it for sure disqualifies me. And that's the point. None of us are perfect. None of us measure up. We've all fallen short. And so the Bible says there's two different ways that you can get to heaven. There's plan A, which is the performance plan. You need to earn it. You can never do anything wrong. You can never sin. You can never think or do or say anything wrong ever. You know, it'd be kind of like if you had to hit 1,000 to get into the Baseball Hall of Fame, right? Even the best hitters hit somewhere in the 300s. And so because none of us qualify for plan A, God in his grace and his mercy has given us plan B. Plan B is to trust in Jesus when he says that he is the way, the truth, and the life. He's the only perfect person to ever live. And by trusting in him, accepting a relationship with him, we get in on all of his goodness I have a younger brother who is the managing director of the New York Philharmonic Orchestra. A number of years ago, one of my favorite bands was going to play with the orchestra, so he flew me out to see this. And I got to go to all the rehearsals. I got to go backstage. It was awesome. At one point, I was kind of exploring, and I went through the wrong door, and I find my, found myself back out in the lobby. So I tried to get backstage again. There was a gigantic security guard blocking the way, and he's like, you're not getting in here. Well, just at the right time, my brother walked past and he grabbed him and said, do you know this guy? He said, yeah, he's with me. And the security guard stepped aside and I got to go backstage. Well, you know, one day we're going to stand before God up in heaven and we're not going to have a resume to give because we all fall short. But you know how we can respond? We can say, but I know a guy. And Jesus will come and he'll say, he or she is with me. John 17, 3 says, and this is the way to have eternal life. This is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. See, on the third day, on that Easter morning, the greatest step in human history was taken the stone was rolled away, and Jesus stood at the threshold of the tomb, and he took a step forward, and it changed the world. But that's where it gets personal, because there's one more step that needs to be taken by each one of us. And so my question for you is, as we close out our time together is, have you taken that step of faith. Jesus already took the biggest step towards you, and now he's waiting. Maybe today is the day that you will take a step of faith, and you will ask Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. Or perhaps you took that step many years ago, 
But if you were honest, you would say you, it feels like you have drifted apart. Well, what you need to know this morning is that he's never moved. He's waiting for you to return. No matter what your story is, I want to invite you to take a step of faith this morning. To ask Jesus into your life for the first time or for the hundredth time. And to do so, I'm going to invite you to pray a prayer with me. I'm going to ask everyone to bow their heads. And if you'd like to pray this prayer, you can just agree with this prayer in your heart. You don't need to say anything out loud. You don't need to do anything you don't want to do. But simply bow your head, and I'll invite you to pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I admit that I am a sinner and that I deserve death. I believe that you paid for my sins on the cross. I believe that you died and rose again so that one day I can die and rise again. Jesus, I am putting my trust in you today. I want you to be my savior and my God. Forgive me all of my sins and guilt and shame. Heal my heart and make me whole again. Thank you for saving me and forgiving me. From this day forward, I will seek to follow you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, we believe you are a new creation. You have forgiveness from your past and you have hope for the future. Now, we would love to walk with you, to connect with you. We're gonna have prayer stations at the front of the worship center after the service. Please come up and we'd love to pray with you. Or you can stop by the information desk on your way out. We'd love to connect with you there. If you're watching online, you can click the button that says that you've received Christ and we'd love to pray with you online. So finally, our prayer for you, each one of you today, is that you would have a happy, but also a very Christ-filled resurrection day. Amen.